Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to the second uh, half of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. You can also email me. I would love to hear from you. Um, Saturdays with Joy Keys at hotmail.com. You want to remember the social media because I'm going to be doing a giveaway of the author's book that I'm speaking with this morning. So keep your eyes peeled. You will have a chance to win. And you guys know I'll just do random things. Uh, when I feel like it, maybe a gift card here and there, so you want to keep track of the social media so you can uh, possibly win. And, again, the email is SaturdaysWithJoyKeys at Hotmail.com. If you miss a show, the shows are on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, uh, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and a lot of other places where you get your podcasts. So all you have to do is look up Saturday mornings with Joy Keys, and all the shows are there. There are over 600 shows, a lot of different topics. I hope you enjoy, and I hope you will share them with friends and family. Well, this morning I am speaking with a writer who uh, recently had a got a two-book deal uh, with uh, Amazon, I believe it is, and uh, we're going to be talking about one of his books today. Uh, he's shortlisted for the Miles Moreland Scholarship long-listed for the Short Story Day Africa Prize, and has won the Afreda Photo Story Competition. Umar's short films have screened in numerous festivals, and his work in television, both as a writer and director, has been broadcast on various stations. And uh, he lives in British Columbia, and um, right now we're going to be speaking about his book, Such a Beautiful Thing to Behold. Good morning, Umar Taraki. Good morning, Joy. Thank you so much for uh, being willing to do this interview. I know it's Saturday morning and most people sleep uh, in or you're about to eat pancakes or waffles or whatever. (laughs) Um, So I I appreciate um, you waking up um, and and talking to me, the little old me, just uh, about your book this morning. (laughs) Uh, It's a pleasure. Thank, Thank you for having me. So you are from, I heard, what they call the Tin City, J-Town. Is it still called that? Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, I'm from J-Town. <laughs> You're from J-Town. Nigeria. Okay. I'm from J-Town, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so tell us about J-Town. Uh, what was it like growing up there? Uh, J-Town is... Uh, you know, it, it's a very, um, my memories of it as a child, you know, it's a very cosmopolitan um, area, you know, and <clears throat> just historically, it was a, it was an important um, colonial center, um, apart from the activities of tin mining that went on. Um, you know, it, there were, it, it, it was a favored spot by 
you know, by the colonial colonial administration because of its, you know, very favorable climate. You know, it's up, you know, mm-hmm. in the hills, and um, so it was very cool. You know, very temperate kind of weather, um, and just just a very beautiful place uh, in general. So over the years, that kind of attracted like a a great deal of people from all kinds of backgrounds from all across the country. You know, and it's been um, just the culture has always been welcoming. Um, it's home to, you know, at least three or four different ethnic groups. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the capital of the state that, you know, it's situated in. So, yeah, very, very fond memories uh, growing up. And, yeah, I loved it. So were you a big reader when you were little? Did they have a library or did you did you have a lot of books? Or did you go to films a lot because you're also a filmmaker? Where did this love right. come for writing and film? Um, so, I mean, in, in terms of uh, reading, um, I was not a big reader when I was little, you know, much to my mother's um, pain. Because <laughs> she would get me all, yeah, she would get me all these books. Um, I, and I still remember the books and what they looked like, you know, different kinds of books, science books, stories. Um, and I just never read them, you know. Uh, and I honestly started reading um, ravenously when I went to secondary school. Um, and that was in a different town um, away from Jaws. And it was a, it was a boarding school. And, and reading it kind of became for me um, a kind of escape because I wasn't a very socially... Um, savvy kind of person, you know, I, I prefer to keep to myself. So mm-hmm. sometimes I would be waiting for events, you know, on campus to end so I could go back and continue reading, you know, a Harry Potter book, you know, or a Thousand <laughs> Arabian Nights. Um, and that, that was it. And that's how I kind of got into reading. Um, and eventually that gave way to wanting to, to write my own stories. Um, in, terms of, in terms of film, I think film has always been kind of with me, you know, and from a young age. Uh, I never tried to make my own films from a young age. I just, I didn't know you could do that. Um, and I didn't have a camera. You know, I just, the, the circumstances around me never sort of made it possible to try and do that. And so it was much, much later uh, in my life, I think in my early 20s, that I actually started trying to make films. So. Yeah, you know, a lot of times African parents, uh, the stereotypical thing is, you know, you're a doctor, you're an engineer, you're a lawyer, you have at least two or three degrees. I mean, I, I see your MFA candidate, but, like, the next, what's the next one? You should already be planning your next yeah, master's yeah. degree, you know. Like, what are you waiting for? Come on, chop, chop, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and, I mean, Nigerians are famously known, you know, for being being highly educated around the world, um, and it's very true, you know, and I guess there are different sorts of reasons that have shaped that, but yes, um, you know, I lost my, my father, my father was a, he was a, a mining geologist, and he had a PhD in his field, so he was a very accomplished man, um, mm-hmm. and I lost him when he was, you know, when, when I was very young, mm-hmm. but sometimes Sorry I, to want, hear. I wonder, uh, thank you, um, Sometimes I wonder, you know, what he would have made of uh, of my decision to become a writer. You know, I'm sure he would have been supportive, but you, it's something you just kind of think about. Okay, you know, what, what would he have said as 
as a, as an African parent, you know. What did your mom say, or what what did she say? Oh, she was. Um, I think at first it was a bit of a head scratcher for her, but she she was honestly very supportive. Um, I think she saw that um, it was something that meant a lot to me, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and I think and I think um, even perhaps more importantly, I feel like she trusted me. I feel like she trusted me to to make the right choices, to um, to be responsible, you know, with whatever I kind of took on that I wanted to do. Um, so yeah, the whole way, you know, and 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 the book is is actually dedicated to her. It's um, it's uh, it's just my way of saying thank you for just everything that she's given me. Um, mm-hmm. She has she has been there for me. You know, she was there for me when the chips were down, when I was when I was broke and trying to make it as a filmmaker, as, as an artist, you know, just those really tough times. You know, she was always there supporting, um, encouraging. Um, and, yeah, so it, it, it meant a lot. You have a lot of your short stories and, and different um, uh, books. Um, so this writing one book, how long did it take you, um, and when did you first have the idea for it? So uh, with this novel, um, <clears throat> I first had the idea, I think, around 2000 and 2010, I think. That's how far back. Wow, that's far back. Okay. Yes. And what happened was, it first came to me as as an idea for a short story, and this was after I had done a couple of books, like in my teens and my early twenties, where you know I tried to write these books, and at the end of it, I I just felt I needed to work and improve my craft as a writer, so I I decided to step away from long form writing um, and try and write short stories, you know, and. And so the first short story I ever wrote was actually was was the first uh, iteration of, of of what became this novel, um, and so I did that. I worked on it for a few months, um, and then I left it, did other things. Then I got into uh, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's uh, workshop uh, in 2016, I believe. The Tarantino you know, workshop. The, the first, yes, exactly, the Farfina mm-hmm. workshop, and mm-hmm. and the experience of that, you know, it was just so, um, it was so affirming. It was so affirming. I came out feeling like a superhero, you know. I, <laughs> I just, I, I came out feeling like I, I could, t- I could do this. I could take on, you know, I could take on this work, and and suddenly I felt like, you know, maybe it's time to try and work on, on a book again. Um, so I thought. Fine, I would just take this short story idea and make it into a novella um, and something that I could do quickly, you know, and and before I would sort of get onto the the important first novel. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so it took about five years. You know, I didn't know it would take that long, but, and the books just kept growing, so it, it's definitely not a novella now, right? And it's... Um, so it kind of it, it went from short story to novella to to eventually a novel, and it, all in all, it took about ten years. What was your favorite book when you were reading or 
even to this, up to this point in your life, what has been your favorite book that maybe you've read more than once? Um, the first to come to mind is uh, Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I remember... I remember, you know, as a teenager, you know, reading the books, and, and I kind of started, I read them out of order. I think I, I, I found the second one first, and, and then I started reading it. I didn't know, like, it was part of a, a trilogy, and then I think I found the, the, third, the first one. And so, but there was something about, about it, you know, compared to, like, other works of fantasy that were meant for, you know, that great, more like young adults. Um, there was something about it that, was not afraid to um, to sort of engage with like the harshness, you know, of, of reality. Um, mm-hmm. There was a, there, there was there, there was some violence, you know. There was there was this very um, I don't know. There was just this gritty texture to it that that kind of got my attention. And and I and I, it was just, it just sort of you know, and as a kid, you know, it's something that just. It just makes you it makes you look you know and like okay what's happening here this is really interesting you've got talking polar bears um, <laughs> yeah but, the, the little got, whispery uh, things that, that, that take your body over in the city I saw the the, the film uh, the TV show it was it was a series that they developed uh, yes. the series. and it it was yes. it was very dark I mean the the evil lady who was the mom of the girl I don't know if that's yes. in the book as well. Um, yes. I mean, she was like the Corella Deville type of, you know, <laughs> come yes. to life yes. Yes. character, yes. you yes. know. Um, and I thought she was going to be good at one point, and then she was like, "Hell no, I'm not <laughs> going to do that." <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing about about those books because the humans are so complicated, you know. And and you've got this you've got this young girl who is surrounded by these adults. You know, people that are meant to protect her, you know, her parents in some cases. Uh, and they're doing, you know, with, with one hand, they're doing terrible things, and with the other, they're protecting her. And you're trying to reconcile, but, it, you know, I think it's, it's very true of, of, of humanity. But, but it was so fresh coming, you know, seeing that, you know, in, in that work, encountering that kind of complexity um, in that work. And, of course, just the imagination and the sense of wonder that those books have, you know, to this day, you know, it has stayed with me. Um, you know, you have complex characters too, and they make comp- they make choices that they're questioning themselves, like, why did I just do that? Like, why did I just kill this person? But was it for a good reason did I kill this person? And then you have the other characters who are like the mad people, like Goshi, uh, if you will, um, and and you're just like he's just completely bad. But but before I keep going, why, why don't you just tell the audience a little bit about what's happening in your story to give them a, an idea uh, of what's happening? Um, so uh, it's the story is about a small community, a village more or less, that is quarantined from the rest of the world because there's a strange epidemic unfolding. Um, nobody knows where it came from, and it's it's very strange in that it's it's more of a it's more of a quote unquote spiritual um, sickness <clears throat> where your eyes begin to go dark and eventually culminates with an act of suicide. Um, but children are you know are sort of spared from this, um, and the story follows a family of four siblings 
um, and two other characters who are connected to them and their own, you know, attempts of navigating this and, and making sense. Um, and a couple, a couple of them are actually trying to leave the community and trying to escape. And so, yeah. I mean, we had this pandemic, you know, people were isolated, um, people couldn't connect with their families, people had to leave places to go to other places, um, and people thought children could not get, you know, the pandemic. They thought they couldn't get it. They thought they couldn't get COVID, even though we we did find out that's not true, but uh, in general, kids were not getting it, and so people, you know, were making up all kinds of stories about that um, for, for COVID. Uh, but the story, yeah, it's gray. It's it's a little dark, Umar. You were taking me down a, a very dark path until until you had the love story. I was like, okay, thank God, there's some light in here. Um, you, you know, the, the, the love story between uh, I think what is it, Panam and and Zoomji? Is that those are two characters that? Uh, yes, Panam Pan and Zoomji. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, oh, thank God, okay. And I was like, okay, they're going to escape, you know. I was all hopeful. And and that's what happens in life, you know, Umar. Like, you know, mm-hmm. something crazy bad happens, and and you just need that, that glimmer of hope to keep you going, like, to the next mm-hmm. level. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know. When, in your life, do you feel there's been times where it's just that hope or there was, like, an angel, quote, unquote, that came or some kind of information that helped, um, you know, relieve the pain, um, and then that gave you that, that was a catalyst to keep you going. Do you feel that? Like, mm-hmm. like for example, Sarafina workshop, you know, that was like, boom. Yeah. That was like yeah. the catalyst for you. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Abs- absolutely, absolutely. It, it has happened so many times in my life. Um, I, yeah, just looking back and sometimes having no explanation for, for why certain things came about, you know, even this book, honestly, even the way, you know, this book came together and um, it was just sort of, it was a miracle after a miracle, you know, that's the only way I could put it. And um, <clears throat> and things happen, you know, and sometimes it was, you know, it was very, sometimes it, the, the stakes are so high, you know, um, because you're probably at a very desperate moment. Um, and you just need that break, and and then it comes together in ways that, yeah, that just take your breath away, honestly. Um, and you can name it, you know, throughout throughout my career, you know, grow, even growing up, you know, um, losing my dad when I was a kid and feeling like that was the the worst thing that could happen to me, you know, and, and not knowing, you know, how do you how do you go on living, you know, with this new reality and. And somehow mm-hmm. you look back, you know, 20, 25 years later and you're like, okay, you know, like we're still here. Um, yeah. We're still here and we're doing well, you know. That's happened in the book, you know. The characters, they're, they're young characters and their first time dealing with death. Uh, many of them have not dealt with death and, and uh, also death of people that were very close to them um, and, and kind of... Uh, Violent, if you if you will, to some degree, you know, the the act of of trying to to kill yourself that thought, or in uh, the one character, he somehow became this, if you say, saving grace for other people, and somehow he just kept being in the right place at the right time, 
and people are like, dude, can you kill me? Like, I just need a break. And he's like, what the hell? This happened to me again? You know? <laughs> I mean, but then it came, became like he, at first it was bad and he was ashamed, but then I feel like he was like, okay, maybe this is my, my new calling, if you will, so to speak. Uh, you know? Uh, but, yo, Uncle Vishak, okay, yo, I, I was happy about him going out. I, look, <laughs> Uncle Vishak, okay, every, yeah. I'm not going yeah. to say what happened with Uncle Vishak, but I'm just saying I needed to call, <laughs> I needed to call my squad, and I wanted to take out Uncle Vishak, okay? Like, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> And it's and it, absolutely it's um, I, I feel like it's it's definitely one of those moments where a character just go always coming to them, um, but again you know like you said, you know what is the cost you know of of sort of you know what is the cost of that you know of everybody involved I mean, I'm here trying not to give away spoilers but <laughs> um, <laughs> what is what, what what is the cost of of that for everyone that's sort of involved in that kind of situation right. Um, and it's, it, you know, and, and I think for me, it's, it's a lot of it. It was, but what was that. the thing is, like, why was he doing that? That's, I was like, yo, what happened to him that was making him do that? Same with Goshi. Yo, what was going on? What happened with Goshi? Because even uh, Nana was like, I don't know what happened to Goshi, but something happened to Goshi and making him do these things, you know? Um now, you have this idea of family, uh, and there's the family that people, like you said, it's focusing on like a, a, a family, but then there's extended family in the community. In your life, do you feel that people in the community have helped you? Have, have you had extended family there to support you and, uh, and uh, you know, bring you love, even in crazy times? Definitely. Definitely. Um, and, you know, I mean, coming from Nigeria, where, you know, where the culture is honestly very, very communal, your families are big. Um, and in my own case, we we didn't have a very big nuclear family. I have uh, I have three siblings um, and two of them were, you know, they, you know, have been living away from Nigeria for a while. Um, so a lot of times it was me and my younger sister uh, and my mom. Um, mm-hmm. And then we were surrounded by, you know, extended family, you know, her, her siblings, um, cousins, um, my own cousins, and and those are the memories of childhood. And even the father figures that kind of came into you know, just feeling because I didn't have a father, um, people that were just there constantly, you know, they, they, they sprung from that. And even in, in a lot of cases, not even necessarily people that you were also, like, related to by blood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have family friends that were very close to people that um, that were just there, people that were just available, you know, and I cannot, I cannot count them with all my digits. You know, it, there's so many. Um, yeah. Seriously, uh, and uh, you know, in one case, there was one. There was one man in particular who we lost. You know, and he was. You know, he was one of. My, I have many fathers, and he was one of them. 
Um, we lost him to COVID, unfortunately, um, sometime last year. But, you know, he was one of those that stepped in and paid my school fees, you know, when I was when I was in secondary school and my mother couldn't afford it. Um, so there's so many stories like that. And definitely, definitely um, community is, is huge. With this COVID situation, people got very desperate. I mean, from the little things like uh, toilet paper, you know, uh, it was like, mm-hmm. where are we going to get toilet paper? And, oh, my God, no toilet paper? That was like yeah. the focus. I mean, it was like on every yeah. news story, uh, yeah. every channel you turn to, it's like yeah. toilet paper. It was not about, yeah. you know, some big things like, you know, gold or jewelry or sofa or even a computer or anything. It was about, I can't find toilet paper, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then yeah. it was also about trying to find, you know, um, wipes, uh, Clorox wipes or uh, hand sanitizer. I mean, it was like that was it, you know, it was, and, yeah, and food. Yeah. But but even food was like secondary to toilet paper, it seemed like, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like in your book, you talk about, you know, the, the, the small things that people finally see, even though they are no longer seeing. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key for me. Is that what you were trying to no. put, put across? Like, the things that you, you couldn't really, um, you weren't looking at before, but now that you're going blind, you're all of a sudden mm. seeing these things and how important they are. Definitely. It's, I think it's one of, the, one of the big things that I wanted the book to carry, um, just this idea that we live our lives, and you know, and, uh, I don't want to preach, but <clears throat> I hope I'm not preaching. But you know, we, but we live Pastor our lives. Pastor Umar, and, Pastor Umar, <laughs> come on, Pastor Umar, tell us your sermon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, 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 live, we live we live our lives, and um, and we begin to take so much for granted, and and sometimes you know, it it takes an event, it takes something, it takes a kind of situation to to make you begin to look at things, um, I'll, you know, and, and I, I guess the question is, we're always sort of thinking about, you know, how do I get happy or where do I get, you know, where do I find my happiness and, and this source of happiness and the source of joy. Um, and and honestly, you know, it's, it's the things that we already have. It's the things that are around us, you know, and the richest men in history will tell you, you know, the things that we continue to sort of go after, you know, they, they ultimately, I think we always get to a point where we realize, but, you know, it's always those those small things. It's always those things that are within reach. It's always the people that are within reach. It's always the um, the relationships, you know, those are the things that stay. Those are the things that matter. Those are the things that carry us. Um, so, yeah, in a, in a sense, that was kind of what I was going for, Um and and I wanted to, you know, in a, in a very kind of inverted way, I wanted to talk about just gratitude and and and, and the importance of gratitude. Um, <clears throat> and there's this wonderful quote I came across recently, you know, that that said, uh, "Gratitude is not just a switch to turn on when things go well; it is also a light that shines in the darkness." Um, and I thought that was just so so beautiful. I thought it captured the heart of the book, you know, in in, in such a striking way. But yeah, that's that's what I was. Amen, thinking. amen, and now the church says amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
<laughs> I think you have another calling, Umar. I don't know. You did the filmmaker. You got the the writer now. I, I think you know there might be the the, the, the Church of Taraki coming. Uh, you know, somewhere. And right. I think your, your your mom might be happy about that. You know, to be like, oh my my son is the priest. Oh, you know, like uh, really seriously. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep that open. Um, you I, keep I it open. Many, you know. Yeah. Look, and and if it happens, I just want you to get up one day and say, you know, I was speaking to this young lady. Well, I'm not young, but you could just say young just to make the story good. And uh, and she said to me, this is where I would be. And I never believed her. And here I am. Here I am. You know, like that. You've got to tell it like that, you know? All right. All right. I'm, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. You're taking notes. Okay, good. So, so let's talk about some, some cool things. Uh, again, going back to where you're from, J-Town. I was reading that there's this dish called, is it Gwoti? Guote, uh, it, it's uh, it's made from sorrel leaves, yakua, and acha, hungry rice, and and garden egg. Do you know anything about this? Yeah, I know a lot about it, um, and it and it's interesting that you should you should bring it up um, <clears throat> because I so I I actually um, I have a business that uh, that that processes acha. Um, or you know, as you called it, hungry rice. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I prefer the I prefer the the international name fonio. Um, okay. Yeah, and uh, you know, and it's it's something that I, you know, and you can make a lot of things, including gote. And gote is this very nutritious, um, delicious uh, kind of. It's like a porridge, you know, and. And a big part of it is also there's you know there's the you you make it with uh, with with beef and with uh, with bones um, and you know so you can make a lot with 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 fonio and and the big part of fonio and you know what attracted me to that grain in particular was because of its 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 uniqueness. and the history, because it's a, it's a it's a uniquely West African grain. Um, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. is native to West Africa. It doesn't grow anywhere else in the world. Okay. Um, and just historically, you know, even you know, by the time uh, colonialism came in and 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 took over, you know, the grain was kind of pushed to the side. Um, and even though it would continue to be enjoyed locally, you know, not not a lot of interest or you know, just research in terms of trying to understand it went into it. You know, I think any kind of whatever resurgence there has been, you know, in interest in the grain itself hasn't. It's not. It's not more than fifteen years, you know, um, back. So, so I just saw something that was just uniquely ours you know, as Africans, and, and I, I thought there was something there and because it had so much potential and had so much value. So I'm very happy that you're bringing up Gwiti. Um, I'm stoked that you, you know, that you, that you found out about it and, and you can, you can, um, you can make a, a couscous style, you can make a couscous style meal with acha, you can, uh, you can replace it with rice, you can um, bake with it. 
you know, you can make uh, what we call tool, um, mm. which is like a, like a, like a, well, you know, in the south of Nigeria, they call it fufu. Mm. Um, you fufu, can, you yeah. Can make mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, so there's so much, there's so much that can be, you can make drinks out of it. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a very important grain. Well, Africa, the continent, has so many resources, and that's why yeah. so many people have been over there. Uh, right now, you know, the Chinese are all up and down in Africa, taking over, having conferences, you know, setting up shops and so on and so forth. You've got schools and all types of things of Chinese people. And I have nothing against Chinese people, but I think it's something people need to watch to see, hmm, okay, who's next on the list? to come and take the resources. And if Africa is so rich, why is it still struggling, you know, so much? Uh, and, and part of that, I think, is even just what you spoke about, people not realizing the potential of certain things that are there. For example, you know, this rice that you just spoke about that can make all these types of things, uh, but nobody was paying attention, you know, to it um, uh, and ignoring, even in reference to your book, ignoring the small things, you see, ignoring this this grain right in front of their face uh, that that could be a, a, a potential moneymaker. And you already, you're doing it, you know. Um, let me ask you this, Umar, and then I know I have to let you go. If you had a superpower, what would it be? If I had a superpower, I, oh, I think I would probably go with being able to touch a book and and ingest the information automatically. Mm. Okay, that's a, you're the first person that said that. And I've had so many writers on, and none of them have ever said that. But you're the first person. Everybody has, like, a different, you know, uh, thing that they want. And, and that's the, the beauty of, you know, being human. We all have these different hopes and dreams. So um, touch the book, and you can absorb all the information. Well, you know, with these data chips we can put in our body nowadays, you never know. You, you, you might, it might work. It might happen in the future. Uh, touch yeah, the book yeah, and, true. you know. But uh, Pastor Umar, I'm I'm going to let you go, and I will see you on next Sunday. Uh, I will see you when you write that next book, young man. When you write your next right. book, you have to come on, okay? Uh, the, the, the two book deal. What what is the next book about? Can you give us some hints, or we, we, do you have any ideas? Um, the only thing I will say is it's a, it's a very old idea. It's it's older than than the idea for this book, um, mm-hmm. for for such a beautiful thing to behold, and and it features the desert uh, in a very big way. Um, yeah, and that's okay. That's all he's going to say. That's all he's going to say. Yeah. All right, Umar. Uh, thank you so much again for coming on today. Um, I hope you have a uh, great goatee in your future. Um, and um, I'll talk to you when the next book comes out, okay? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it was great talking to you. <laughs> it was nice talking to you as well. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, uh, bye. <laughs>
Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I just got off the phone with author Umar Taraki. We spoke about his book, Such a Beautiful Thing to Behold. And uh, his book really will take you on a journey um, questioning what is important to you uh, in your life that you maybe you're missing. Um, and if you became blind, what would you consider as important? What would you need? Who would you need? Who will be by your side when you became blind? Um, how will you navigate the world um, like that? Uh, and uh, and isolation, it also deals with that. And some people have been dealing with that right now with COVID. So I'm going to be giving away some copies of Such a Beautiful Thing to Behold. So you want to follow me at Joy Keys. Also check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. You can also email me, um, Saturdays with Joy Keys at hotmail.com. Uh, you can also make donations via PayPal, Saturdays with Joy Keys. Um, check out, you can make donations to help keep the show going, to help get giveaways and so on like that. Like that. But they all need funding, so that will be very helpful. You can check out archive shows on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google, as well as here. I also want to let you know if you ever want to call in, uh, the call-in number is always the same, 516-387-1745. Again, 516-387-1745, no matter what the show. That number has not changed. Um, and you can call in and, and ask a question. Um, thank you so much for your support, and um, I hope you guys have a great weekend. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo GOAT G-O-A-T, acronym, stands for greatest of all time, as in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Wonder if you should get tested for colorectal cancer? Well, it's the second leading cancer killer in the U.S., so if you're 50 or older, it's time. Screening helps find precancerous polyps so they can be removed. Remove the polyp, prevent the cancer. Did you know there's more than one screening test? Talk to your doctor to find the one that's right for you. No more excuses, because colorectal cancer screening really does save lives. A message from HHS and CDC's Screen for Life campaign. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.